Pantophobia. What? That's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's a fear of everything, including pants, I suppose, in that case. Sorry, go on. Welcome to TARDIS Talk, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things Doctor Who. Slight change to the schedule. This week, was it a nightmare of an episode or an episode of a nightmare as we review Series 6's Night Terrors? I'm joined as always by the suitably doll-sized cook and the appropriately terrifying Matt. Hello. I resent that. <laughs> I enjoy my title, thank you. I thought you'd love that. There we go then. Yeah, so um, like I say, slight change to plans. Um, the uh, schedule kind of changed and moved about slightly during the week. So we will be interviewing Gallifrey Custom and discussing who merch at some point in the very near future we just need to work on a date that's going to be good for all of us uh oh the perils of podcasting but there we go but yes it gives us an opportunity to talk about uh night terrors which i believe was your choice wasn't it cook unfortunately yeah okay well we'll get into that in in detail in a moment and see what your thoughts on on that were but let's just quickly touch for a moment and go on a slight tangent before we get get started we had some more series 14 news come out uh in the past week um which was phil collinson's returning to um produce the the new series so we've got the original triumvirate back russell t davies julie gardner and jane transer by proxy and now phil collinson which is you know expected unexpected <laughs> it's slightly slightly odd news uh, i don't think it was it was unexpected i didn't see it all happening but then i didn't see the return of russell happening either so yeah i, this... I don't know if i'm upset by it i'm just curious as to how much of the old gang they're going to potentially put back together i'm excited because uh, the, the the people who did the original formula and got it right so very well during the golden years of the new series run are coming back um and 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 Russell T Davies has definitely grown and matured, hasn't he? With his with his writing and his and his sort of like his you know series over the years. So we can only see well, good things. Isn't it? The, the longer you do something, the better you get. So well, more than happy to see what he brings back to here. Yeah, that's exactly it. And of course, we've got loads of other crap coming out at the moment. Rumours of David Tennant <laughs> reprising the role as the Doctor as but a fourteenth incarnation. Uh, it's it's all a lot of speculation and rumour. Don't know where they're getting that from. It seems like a fairly out there one but again like you said a minute ago matt nobody expected russell t davies and co to be returning so who no, knows and, and again that it's was... not there. <laughs> confirms again that you can potentially go back to visit old faces uh... so who knows at this point i'm just going to wait to see sort of what what the solid information provides just... as opposed to the rumor mill because the rumor mill loves to run about it, it does too just out of curiosity would you want to see david because i've had some really strong conversations with some friends about this um I'm kind of in the camp of yeah, I'd like to see a previous actor reprising the role, but a different take on on the Doctor. So exactly. So if 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 it's if it's um, David Tennant coming back as ten, oh, I'm yeah, probably yeah. less keen. I've got not yeah. that I've got any issue with ten. I think it's brilliant, but I would I wouldn't mind Tennant coming back to portray a different version of the Doctor. You know, different personality, yeah. different quirks. Yeah. That would be the interesting bit for me. But again, have to wait and see sort of what they come back with because yeah. I still don't think it's going to be. 10 i think it's gonna be another unknown what about you cook uh i'm not closed off to the idea but i'm just not excited about it if it is gonna happen to yeah i I definitely want like someone new to take the role because that's what the show's all about it's about kind of like you know regenerating and starting new each time but like you know, i'm not closed off to the idea and if they did bring david Tennant back then i'd be quite keen on him doing something completely different maybe having I'm longer hair and using a scottish accent perhaps or something yeah like i'm that, not saying I'm not saying it wouldn't be interesting, and I'm mm. pretty sure it would make good TV. But at yeah. the same time, I, it's just if I want to watch David Tennant, I'd watch Ten. 
Exactly. Well, that's a very good point. And there's lots of actors out there who are very deserving of being given a chance to yeah. to, to do something iconic with a role. So maybe it's a ploy. Maybe they're just going to retcon everything after ten. Well, I did read something interesting very briefly earlier. Um, well, no, I can't remember where, where I read this or where I found this out, but so there's something to do with Russell T. Davies is actually going to bring back the Tenth Doctor for Series 14 in a build-up to the revelation of the Fourteenth Doctor. I, but I can't see how. Uh, yeah. Rumours, speculation abound. Twitter's been full of it this weekend, which has made me yeah. laugh with some of the memes, which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. My problem with this is that it it just sounds like desperation, really. It does a little and, bit. Uh, yeah. A lack of confidence in Doctor yeah. Who's ability to continue of its own. Um, I think a lot of people have been stung, though, substance. haven't they? And I'm not talking about the people who are kind of a little bit sensitive about the fact that, like, you know, the show went with a female lead and stuff like that. I and it addressed I, I, issues. I, yeah, but I know what you're talking about. I do think there's yeah. the writing issues and stuff like that that's knocked a lot of people's confidence. I think that's where my own um, uh, insecurities about the show's future comes from, and that's why I'd be quite happy to see, a re- you know, a reprisal from a previous act to take the role, because at least I know it'd be in good hands. But I kind of see the argument for it needs to regenerate, it needs to keep moving forward. So when are we going to... We're in... What, we're still in January now, aren't we? So, and if the they're going to start filming in the next month, a couple of months, it's the spring, isn't it, when they're filming season 14? I think the rumour is May time. Is it really? So they're going to have to announce well in advance of that. So we could be finding out basically at some point in the next couple of months who's got the... We've been saying that since Russell T. Davies got announced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess, I guess. But I thought I'd bring it up anyway because it's, it's prevalent news. It's quite heavy. Um, I also do like, in a real tongue-in-cheek way, the fact that even Danny Dyer's been given credence as the 14th Doctor because <laughs> he's left EastEnders, which just makes me cringe and laugh at the same time. But yeah, yeah, I can't. That see would that. be the death knell. <laughs> oh, sure. that'd be awful. That'd be... Danny Dyer's a great actor, but he's just not Doctor Who material. <laughs> It'd be very, very awkward. Right, let's move on. Let's move on. So, Night Terrors, which was Mark Gatiss's. So we obviously we did. Um, the Unquiet Dead last time, which just so happened to be Mark Gatiss. And uh, we're doing it again this week with Night Terrors, which was uh, Series 6's kind of mid-season story, really, wasn't it? Um, you chose this one, Cook. Why did you choose this story? Uh, I chose this one because it's one that I just tend to skip. It's one that doesn't particularly show up on my radar very much. Yeah, I think we had a conversation around it. Yeah. We wanted to go back, so which we've maybe watched once or twice, but didn't never actually we never wanted to go back and revisit more than that yeah i mean it actually amazed me how much i didn't remember of this story so yeah same here but i say amazed i'm kind of with you on that but the reason as to why i didn't remember it wasn't shocking (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i i I missed i completely forgot the whole elements of it and whole sequences of it which i think is what you're kind of alluding to yeah definitely yeah yeah. it's it's an interesting one though um because it, it, obviously, essentially, so let's just talk about the story then, as we do normally. So, so the story of this is basically there's a little boy who's scared of everything, and um, his mom and dad don't know what to do. The little boy somehow sends a psychic signal out in space, and the doctor receives it and comes to help. And it turns out that this little boy is actually an alien who kind of inserted itself into this human couple's lives, and love saves the day. <laughs> and that's kind of basically what happens. Um, it, it's an odd it is a it's a fucking odd story I can't put it in any any clearer <laughs> way than that it is such a bizarre story 
I just cannot put my finger on what it is that just doesn't feel right about it. How did you guys feel about it, rewatching it? I wouldn't say it's a bad story, but I just... Oh. So what I really like about this is the atmosphere. Um, it is very creepy. Yeah, particularly that first half. Yeah. Um, back, for lack of a better phrase, the background shots, everything you see behind the characters. Yeah. Yeah, you're right on that. Like, even their flat just looks ominous. Like, yeah. the, the whole the council estate that they're walking around on, everything about it is just... It, you're right about that, definitely. The cinematography is on form in this one. They've got the lighting right, you know. Um, That's what I mean, talking about sort of the chat, you know, even talk about um, uh, Roger's room and whatnot. You've got the shadows going with the toys, the toys and the and that look like you said the yeah. the the dinginess of the of the estate as well mm. um, the way that they compiled everything even sort of the run down look of each room yeah. and this is all before we even talk about sort of like the dolls in the background of the actual dollhouse yeah. itself in the first half of the episode yeah 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 it's it's i tell you what you absolutely bob on the mark with 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 the point there about kind of like the way it sets up the mise-en-scene the, the the sense of kind of like scare and, and and terror because they have to obviously kind of like um emulate that for the audience because it's basically what you're what, what a little boy who's scared of everything sees you know the faintest sound someone walking past the window breathing heavily we've all done it we've all, we've all felt it as kids like what have you guys felt from, from you've been lying in your bedroom being scared the oddest sounds cats at night you know doing what they do used to terrify the shit out of me as a kid uh, boxes yeah so screeching what yeah, about you matt anything any any childhood terrors you they can still think scare of? me oh i can remember unfortunately well i mean yeah but you, you basically they, they, they did a great job in that sense tonight of kind of like overemphasizing it really didn't they in a really clever way um which really helped just to contradict the, the scare factor of the episode though and I made a note of this there's one thing that ruins this entire episode for me which I don't know whether you're going to agree with it might be a hot take and it's Maury Gold's score it is just so present it just ruins the suspense there's a whole sequence in the dollhouse with Amy and Rory where they are I think they basically get into like the big main hallway where the stairs are and they're creeping over and they can hear the, the the doll you know giggling but they don't know what it is yet and they're creeping over to the to the door and then they open the door and the doll's there in a big shock moment but all of the tension leading up to that moment is just ruined by this stupid bloody soundtrack in the background this stupid bloody score which is just overriding any sense of tension so i did my usual thing of missing music but right. <laughs> i do it every episode but one thing actually which i did note down which i want to talk about which came up is the the, the nurse oh he's gone the rhyme tune <laughs> came actually did which I you like to start again you, yeah start again Matt oh. you're breaking up <laughs> apologies sorry I heard um, all I heard was him go he's gone oh um, what I was saying is the one thing I will give it credit for is the nursery rhyme jingle that was going throughout the episode because I noticed that and one of the things I really enjoyed actually was the fact that it got more distorted and twisted as the episode went on yeah it's it's quite like same. a normal tune, and then it just went more warped. It's the same one that um, River Song uses, isn't it? The, the river, yeah, yeah, about River Song. Because it's all they... it's all the silence that jingle, isn't it? Yeah. Ding, you know, you know, when she at the end of whatever it is. But, um, but specifically in this episode, they warp it, and if you do listen to it again, keep an eye out because as we go further and further out the episode, it gets creepier and creepier and goes mm. away from your normal nursery rhyme jingle it's not i'm not criticizing the actual composition of the music it's just the editing it's just the music is there's pretty much there's not a scene throughout that entire sequence 
probably from the, the halfway through where there's no it, it's just devoid of score that i think if they'd taken out lifted out some of the score from the editing and just had some tension that would have worked perfectly which is complete contrast to last week's isn't it with the unquiet yeah because there's, there's no music in it no music whatsoever <laughs> which <laughs> but yeah weirdly for me i didn't actually notice the music and that's probably because it's probably a symptom of what you're describing mm. because it's so it's so it's just there like yeah 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 um, so it's kind of ambient constantly present and const- constantly there yeah it's a very sort of a weird thing to kind of know but background noise instead of actual yeah so we kind of sidetracked there towards the soundtracky type stuff but that uh, you're talking about the horror and the setup of it and stuff like that and i think that was done really really well um in terms of the story and the plot Right, so this this story has very very clear parallels with Fear Her, doesn't it? To an extent, it's about yeah, a actually. small alien child who has been separated from his parent in some aspect and is now living with a human surrogate, and the human surrogate isn't aware that's the case. And there's a wardrobe yeah. involved, actually. Now that I think about it as well, <laughs> um, yeah, mm, it's who wrote Fear Her? That wasn't Mark Gatiss, was it? I don't believe so. Yeah, okay, right. That's that's a a funny one. There is something actually in terms of plot wise that sort of sprung to mind with series six specifically and this story. And it, it's just I don't know whether it's it's intentional. There is a lot of story setting around parent child relationships throughout this one. You've got um obviously River Song and Amy and Rory. So this is the revelation that they're the parents in this one. Um, you've got Closing Time with Craig and Stormageddon. Uh, you've got uh, the, oh God, what's the pirate ship one called? The Black Curse of the Black Spot with the um, dad and the Captain Avery and his son who he didn't realise was on the ship and then he found out he was on the ship and all that business. Uh, so there's this kind of con- constant sort of like parent-child relationship dynamic type thing in a lot of the stories, and I don't know whether that's intentional or if it was if it was put in there to emphasise, and Amy's pregnancy as well, and the fact that she's become a mother. I don't know whether that was that all of these stories are quite prevalent in this particular series because that's the arc, you know, Amy's River's mother. I think that's. I do believe that was the theme that they are pointing towards. Okay, so it, yeah, I wasn't sure whether it was like just something I was looking at, like, you know, seeing a pattern that wasn't there. But okay, if you've seen it as well, fine. That, that makes sense. Mm. Is that, yeah, it's all, there's also in the um, Rebel Flesh, there's that guy who mm-hmm. can't see his son or whatever. Okay, so there's, yeah, so there's like, it's it's dropped out throughout, 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 throughout. The plot of this one, though, Night Terrors, it, the love saves the day thing, I don't, I, I take on bridge to, I don't even take on bridge, I just dislike those kind of cop-out endings. I hated it in Closing Time. Um, I don't know. Does it happen in any other... Well, first of all, do you agree or do you disagree? How, how do you feel about Love Saves a Day style approaches? It depends how it occurs, I guess. I, mean, because, um... I agree with that quite strongly. I do think it does depend on how it occurs. One of the things I... I will add to that though, which doesn't happen very often, which does happen quite a lot in this season, is it it seems to be more like a bit of a dad related. A lot of the time when it's Love Saves the Day, it tends to be a mother and her children, as opposed to a dad and their kids. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. Because we've got um in closing time, of course, it's 
it's a very similar scenario. Craig is strapped to a cyber conversion unit and he is his baby crying and it helps him override the cyber conversion and all that bollocks. And in this one, little George, you know, sees that his dad's, or his dad, you know, what's he called? Alex goes to, to chase after after George and protect him. And that gives him the courage or whatever it is he needs to overcome the monsters. So, I still don't understand what the hell it was all about, to be honest. Well, I think with this one, it's meant to be more about acceptance than anything else. Yeah, he finally, you know, he finally faces feels like his he fears. Belongs cause it's, yeah, he faces yeah. his fears. His dad's not rejecting him. And that that was probably the bigger theme of the episode, right, as okay. opposed to love causes the Cybermen to explode. So I think it's a bit stronger <laughs> in this episode yeah, this than is, it is in others. There's a vaguely more logical explanation so, to it. Fair play. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Love saves the day happens in the lodger as well. And I think that's a very perfectly well executed solution. I can't even remember how that ends off. How does the lodger end? They they both um basically they're all about to get vaporized because they get lured into trying to launch that silence ship. Yeah. And then they have to admit to each other that they're actually staying there because they want to stay with each other. Right, okay. Yeah. And it's sort of like alluded to throughout all the episode to I mean I think that's a stronger than some of their examples. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think the closing time one's a particularly good one. I think this one was okay. In terms of like the context of, I do have some. And... Yeah, I mean, in terms of the fact that Alex takes so well to the fact that his son is an alien, <laughs> he, he takes yeah, it but... in his stride. He definitely yeah, takes. Well, it well, that die. <laughs> well, yeah, what else do you do? It's his son of eight years at that point. Well, there's an initial part where he doesn't really seem to give a shit. He's like, I, I don't want to keep him. What, he's going to grow two heads? It's like, that's your son of eight years. You know, well, he yeah, doesn't say he doesn't want to keep him. He just goes, what happens now? It's more of a, it's a very honest question. Well, no, it's the bit, there's the bit when they're on the stairs and he's like, I, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? He's an alien. It's like, surely you would have a gut instinct, no matter, like you just said, Matt, it's his son of eight years. You would have a gut instinct to rush down the stairs and protect Wait, your but, son when he's being encroached but, upon by these killer dolls. Well, yeah, but what I mean is he's not exactly kicked him out or thrown him over the barrier. He's literally just saying, you know, is there anything I should be aware of? And then he's on the stairs talking to the doctor. Mm, I don't know. I, I think just... this might have been an episode that has some sort of like meta commentary on um, neurodiverse children in some respect. Yeah, very possibly, because uh, I do really, really kind of like love the angle of the story. You know, two parents struggling to understand a child's... Um, uh, potential mental health issues um, or disabilities, and I, I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's a fair point actually. Um, there is kind of like a strong emphasis about that. You know, the mum's a nurse, the dad obviously doesn't have a job, and he works at home, and they're struggling to kind of get an understanding of what's wrong with their son, who just seems to be. And the conversations they have as well, especially the dialogue between Alex and his wife, Alex and the doctor, and they're basically at their wits' end because they don't know what's wrong with him. Almost like it's kind of like, like you say, a commentary on something like maybe autism or, um, you know, especially with the light thing, possibly like yeah, the light switch on and off and on and off. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. OCD. OCD, Asperger's, sure. all of those sorts of um, uh, yeah. Yeah, conditions. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, that's a, a very uh, astute observation, actually. I, I didn't really see that when I was watching through it, but now that I think back on it, yeah, that's pretty reflective. I There's still something around the plot, though, that I don't understand, and I'm still trying to work it out now. So the kid was, what, a Tenzer? Is that right? It was, it was yeah. an alien called a Tenzer. Um, <laughs> where did the psychic oh, ability to cr- construct a world of... And where where was this psychic world? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> um, yeah, good good question. 
it doesn't it just basically implies that they're shrunk well are they shrunk down in the dollhouse and they're actually kind of like borrower sized in the dollhouse or is it metaphysical I, I, I got the vibe i got the vibe it was meant to be more of a world or a dimension it's yeah. supposed to be so metaphysical yeah okay fair enough right so they're not literally in the cupboard yeah because the doctor <laughs> literally says to george at one point doesn't he you know you create this world you can smash it so yeah. if it was more along the lines of it being yeah that more of a universe shift than an actual <laughs> i love the idea they're in the doll's house now that's stuck in my head <laughs> you know what annoyed me when the amy and rory were going through the, the the kitchen and stuff one of the first things that i would have done is i would have like launched myself at the window and pulled apart the yes. blinds to have a look where i was and i was just thinking Thank how the you. fuck are they not doing that that's insane they're like let's find the door so we can figure out where we are and then they're like oh well, we'll look. <laughs> it was awful she's like although i did a grin to creep across my face though because it's a very amy trait to do i love it when she goes back for the frying pan <laughs> Yeah, she's very uh, very hands-on, isn't she? Gonna do make bacon again. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that pan, I hope. Yeah, blimey. <laughs> they didn't check the uh, the big lump of beef or whatever it was on the table either. They would have found that was wood if they'd done it quicker. So, okay. Uh, that's no, nothing new for beef, though, is it? What's the deal, then, with the concept of the... So, obviously, George is scared by things like the woman who lives across the way, which is... That, We'll talk about the characters in detail in a minute, but that Elsie woman, that cringy old woman. So he was scared of her because he thought she was a witch. That's why she ended up getting sucked in, into his nightmare world. The horrible landlord, uh, Jim Purcell, he also got sucked into the nightmare world. Um, but the dolls thing, is it just implying that, that the dolls came as part of the dollhouse toy set and George was scared of them at some point? So they were like... And maybe he's got like this overactive imagination where he thinks that the dolls can turn people into other dolls. That's henceforth why they they do that. I'm not being funny, but if you bought your child a toy that it then hated and was like life threateningly scared of, wouldn't you just throw it away? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it let's keep it in the cupboard let's keep it in the cupboard yeah yeah putting things in the cupboard is probably not the best thing to do um it's probably not the best solution also now that i think about I think, it like i was just gonna say sorry go jumping on. back i yeah. think the idea around the dolls is meant to be a little bit more or it, it's a, i think it's an interesting twist on things because it's meant to be you know you put things in the dollhouse into the cupboard to, because they're he's afraid of them mm-hmm. but then it's meant to be turning them into something safe so they're being turned into toys at that point he's just got a warped imagination well, yeah, like all kids do, a curtain hanging by the window can suddenly become a, a, a tall monster with a cloak uh, in the right light. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. If you think about, if you think about it from his point of view, the things, the people he's put into the into his world, mm. they are the monsters. Exactly. His toys yeah. are going to protect him. Scary old woman, nasty old landlord. Yeah. yeah. But the toys, the dogs, oh. are going to defend him. Yeah. He was scared of the lift as well, wasn't he? That's why Amy and Rory ended up in there. Yeah. Uh, well, and Amy and Rory walked past his window saying. So- the yeah. kid get gold by the monsters probably that's now. right yes <laughs> that made me laugh actually yeah, perfect perfect timing there that's I also love the little move by Rory the, the, little, the little line of Rory though when he's basically like um, when he says uh, are we dead we've died again haven't we we've died again haven't we <laughs> I, just, I love how quickly he just accepts it too it's like yeah. again <laughs> yeah that was brilliant that's a nice bit of a meta joke there from Stephen Moffat who obviously was reading a lot of stuff on Gallifrey Outpost after, Gall- after Rory being killed for like the 30th time and just wanted to troll fans who, who took on with it um i did think of something and it's gone whatever it was it can't have been that important in terms of the story though it was a bit of a hot mess wasn't it 
See, no. I, I'm on I'm on the opposite part of it. Is I think the story makes sense. It's just not a very good story. Yeah, I think it's quite tight. Actually, mm. it's just it's just um, it's very like self-contained by nature of it. It happens in like one flat. It, well, in one doll's house, in one <laughs> wardrobe, in one flat. Mostly. That's what I mean, and yeah, you said so. I think tight's probably the right word for it. It's just not very gripping. It yeah. definitely isn't gripping. I struggled to, uh, you know, want to carry on watching it, which is awful. But I really was bored halfway through. I was like, you know, I wasn't even that particularly intrigued by the. It was a lot of clunky dialogue. Um, I think there was a couple of good moments. I can't remember what it was though. They were all Matt Smith lines though. That was the yeah, thing. They are. And it's just typical. And he, I'm not, I'm not at all slating the acting or anything because the acting was, was was great for the most part, but. You know, they just give the doctor the best lines, which is a fact. He's got to have the best lines, which is great. But that's what you come to expect. It would have just been nice to kind of have something that wasn't so kind of like, I don't know. What was the point of the landlord? Why was he in it? He was just nasty, and he oh, was he supposed to be scaring George and George? You know, maybe he was just maybe he was just a surrogate character for um, uh, Amy and Rory to see be transformed into a wooden doll. It's just that's all. So we could realise what the threat was. It's just what? Sorry, he broke up there. It's just more fodder so we could realise what the threat was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's Although sure. the landlord sinking into the floor was awful. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss the visuals later. I'm completely with you there, though. That was that was pretty 2005, wasn't it? Um, that's an insult to 2005. <laughs> okay, then. So let's talk about the characters for a little bit. So we're mid-season six. We have found out this is post um, Good Man Goes to War, isn't it? This is episode yeah. seven, isn't it? So the next episode after this is The Girl Who Waited. So um, we've gotten through the big revelation that Rory and Amy are River's parents. Um, we are. Sorry, my stomach's gurgling like mad, and it's probably picking up on the microphone. How embarrassing! Uh, it's, a, it's a story. It's turning my stomach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't hear it at all, but thanks for sharing. <laughs> so, essentially, did anything come before this? Oh, it was let's kill Hitler, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, this okay. Is like a weird series where there was a split. Well, so, the first weird series where there was a split. I have a slight annoyance at, with this story or the characters, Amy and Rory, in this story in comparison to the last one, which is they found out that Melody became River and then they eventually got back to find out that Mel's became River, who was actually their friend. So basically what I'm getting at is there's been a lot of life-changing trauma happen for them and all of a sudden they seem pretty cool in this story and collected and not remotely kind of affected by it. And that's just one thing that always irks me about their characters and the writing for their characters. And it shows more than anything in this episode. I remember watching this episode and thinking, so they're clearly not that bothered then by what's, what's been happening. They don't even talk about it or acknowledge it. It does feel like this was supposed to like be Come before the first half. Damn right. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? It smacks of it. Mm-hmm. it totally smacks of it. Um, it, I think it would have made more sense if it was swapped with the Doctor's wife or something. Well, what threw me off was the fact we were watching this, and right at the end when they're talking right. about stuff, and the Doctor's dancing around the console, and then we focus on the console, I was expecting it to, to do the whole, like the Mandela effect, I was expecting it to kind of do the Amy pregnant, not pregnant, pregnant, not pregnant thing again, because I couldn't place where this episode was in the series until after I'd watched it and got back and looked at the listings. 
Um, so it wouldn't have surprised me if that was where they were going to possibly, if this was intended for the first half of Series 6, this is where it was going to go and they were going to cut back to a monitor shot of you know the TARDIS scanning Amy again. Potentially. I don't know. Yeah. But, Maybe, not sure. Mm, I don't know. What, what, what are your takes on the, on, the, on the characters in this one, Amy and Rory? So I think, again, from just Amy and Rory's perspective, uh-huh. they're fine. They're Amy and Rory, but you're right. Timing-wise, it doesn't feel like it fits properly. Yeah. Um, even, like I said, even if it was just a conversation about it towards at the end of the episode in the TARDIS, something to really ground it, but it does, I mean, like I said, it feels out of chronological order. They even mention it at the start, don't they? They're all like, oh, yeah, everywhere in the universe, and now we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it just seems very normal, as if nothing's happened at all leading up to this. I can't quite remember how Let's Kill Hitler ends. I know that River's basically left in the hospital, and that's basically it, isn't it? They, they sort of say, she'll be fine, we know who she turns into, and that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, right, okay. So it is a very, very odd placement. Um, quite, quite unusual. Uh, and for once, Karen Gillan's wooden acting actually paid off. <laughs> Boom, boom. Cheap shot. Cheap. She's a great actor. I just wanted. I just wanted to say that because wow. she she was turned into a wooden doll. No, no. She's a great actress. Is uh, Karen Gillan. I'm, I'm only messing. I'm only messing. It was a good opportunity. Um, interesting to see Amy get turned into uh, uh, cannon fodder for a change, as opposed to Rory, though. Even he looked yes. shocked by that. You know when it happened. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't his wife, he probably would have like celebrated. <laughs> But yes, way to go. Yeah, I don't think there's much more you can say about the characters in this particular one. Um, well, it just fell I mean, out of place, really. The bulldog was cool. No, I meant I meant Amy and Rory. That is to say, um, <laughs> no, the do- again, they're just very Amy and Rory like. Yeah, which is it's good. I think they're consistent characters. Just unfortunately, the story's placing, like we've all agreed, feels like it's out of place with with the events that just very much just preceded this it's, it's very odd you know placement um the doctor then so the doctor is just matt smith is just the doctor isn't he, he never changes never wavers yeah it's not it's not just what he does when he's talking though like again going from childish to seriousness but even little things like watching him attempt to make the cup of tea in the kitchen when he's being blocked every time Do you know that was adley it's just that entire oh, scene it? that entire scene so, between him and um uh, Dan, danny mays i think he's called uh that was that was completely no, so i didn't know that at all yeah. actually it's a really good scene and they you know it's not just about the dialogue as well but the whole physical how they physically move around the kitchen yeah loved it and the way again i know he does it on purpose but the way matt smith walks just doesn't feel natural he does a good job of that it's like an old band swagger isn't it it's quite weird exactly. it's like an old pimp it's really odd <laughs> it's very odd um there's one specific thing i want to say about about matt smith and himself as an actor and the fact that he's he is is he the youngest or was he the youngest actor to portray the doctor either way he's a young yeah he was like 26 or something yeah or 28 so the the fact that there's something really touches my heart the way that he interacts with children even as an actor you know um he he just there's something really really sweet and caring about him when he interacts with with children in doctor who as the 11th doctor or whatever it's just something really magical about the way that like when he's talking to george in his bed it's a really touching scene you know, he's, he's talking to him on his level, but he's obviously quite kind of like um, almost sort of caring and nurturing towards him. And it, it shows a side to the Doctor, which you rarely see. Uh, I mean, yeah, I da- David Tennant hated, not David Tennant, but Tenth Doctor hated that really obnoxious kid in the Sontaran strategy, and I think most people would. Um, what, Luke Rattigan? Yeah. 
I just couldn't see like the Tenth Doctor, for example, interacting with children in the same capacity as the Eleventh Doctor. And the Eleventh Doctor does it quite a lot, doesn't he? Everyone seems to say that the Tenth Doctor is the most human Doctor, but I really think it's the Eleventh, as whimsical as he is, because he just relates it so well to everyone he meets. Yeah, but at the same time, he I think he's also quite quite quirky in the sense that he there's the bit oh god there was a, there's a bit that's just sprung to my mind but I can't even think of how it pieces together. It's um, it might be the bit when he's talking about the wardrobe and uh, he, he suddenly realises there are monsters in the wardrobe and he just doesn't have a filter and he basically just blurts it all out to, to Alex the dad. Um, most yeah, normal people wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think every doctor's done that. <laughs> one occasion or another mm. yeah but i suppose nine times out of ten if you bumped into the tenth doctor and didn't know who's a doctor you'd just be like okay cheers mate bye it'd be like a normal interaction whereas there is something about 11 which is twitchy weird for lack yeah. of a better phrase yeah he's got a very alien kind of vibe to him very kind of i don't it's almost like he doesn't have a filter um He's just completely unconsciously aware of his surroundings and he just like verbalizes everything that he says, which I think is fantastic. And and not just verbalizing as well, but just does whatever springs to his mind. Yeah, which he does quite a lot in this episode. Quite a lot, which is brilliant. Maybe I'll I'll rephrase my point then. I don't think he's the most human doctor or relatable doctor, but I think he's the most empathetic. Oh, he's definitely the most empathetic, yeah. I think Stephen Moffat wanted to really ram home the whole Christmas, Father Christmas aspect of the doctor because the doctor the widow uh, the, was it the doctor the widow in the wardrobe um christmas carol stormageddon in closing time basically any story where there's kids in it just matt smith and his drunken giraffe kind of goes to town and i just think that's part of the charm of it he's a really child-friendly doctor which is brilliant you know yeah i couldn't imagine the sixth doctor being like that i couldn't imagine the 12th doctor that- did to an extent it explains the drop in ratings there, doesn't it? I suppose when you think about it like that, like the jarring transition between the very like child friendly like Matt Smith mm. and not so child friendly Peter Capaldi in some sense. <laughs> like I know he's now. probably actually very nice, but like Well yeah, but we said look had thirteen hasn't really had a had a much interaction with kids, has she? Thirteen hasn't had much interaction with anyone. <laughs> well, that's a fair point, but, but she hasn't, though, has she? There hasn't been that many kind of like child accessible stories. I actually it's, it's a bit more serious drama one. story. No, I don't think there is. Um, oh, there's the kid in in uh, Orphan Fifty Five, um, James Buckley's uh, Sprog, in that one. But, yeah, I don't think they have a, a conversation. Yeah, there's they? not much interaction in that one, is there? Oh, we're gonna to have to do Orphan Fifty Five at some point, aren't we? No, we're not. Oh, we're not. We're not. Yeah, we're not, not going to have to do it. I think we're not doing it. You can solo that one, Kirk. We'll just listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> got reflux kicking in. Hang on. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Oh okay. God. <laughs> well, moving, moving on, moving on. Uh, so, obviously, the supplementary characters in this particular episode then are uh, George and his dad Alex. So, talking about George first of all. Um, God, hey, George. Did you? I thought he was the cutest kid, and I hate kids. I uh, really I don't like kids. I didn't think he was cute. I didn't think he could act. Sorry, act. <gasps> but if you're listening, by any point, I, <laughs> I knew. Him. Wow. I, knew I, thought he was the, I thought he was one of the best child actors that we've seen in Doctor Who. What? Really? Genuinely. because, And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you for why. He, he is supposed to be emulating a child who is clearly emulating to heart back to what you were saying, Cook. 
some sort of uh, condition, Asperger's autism, and he does have that aloofness about him that that kind of insinuates that very well. I I just think that's an accident. Happy accident, surely. (laughs) Can we not talk about the simple bit, which is the kid's meant to be terrified and seem afraid? Oh, no, come on, man. What are you talking about? He clearly scared throughout the entire thing. Literally, he's is, is, is panting his he heart He does rate. some heavy breathing and sits there with his mouth open. Yeah, but that's, that's terrifying. <laughs> what do you want him to do? Do you want him to look, look deadly at the camera? Look afraid. I'll tell you what, right? Compare him to Rupert Grint when he was younger. Uh, Not Rupert Grint. That's Harry I... Potter, isn't it? Rupert, Rupert Pink. Rupert Pink. I don't, I don't like any child actor. I, make that no. I can't help but feel <laughs> there's a slight Pink. level of bias on this. I'll let this go when you forgive the Sontarans. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Never. There are some child actors out there that are phenomenal, but sadly, they are so rare. Wow. What did you, Do you agree with that, Cook? Agree with what? That, Specifically, that's... Matt's point about, about uh, this, this, uh, this young actor sort of not portraying a scared enough child. Uh... I mean, I have to heartily disagree. I, I, I genuinely feel like the kid was petrified throughout. I wasn't convinced... To be honest, wow. Okay, I then. just I like there were moments where you could it it seemed forced the way it was trying to portray the kid being scared because it was things like him literally standing behind his dad's back so you couldn't see his facial expressions. <laughs> mm. Well, I just think you're both rotten. Personally, I'm going to have to beat that out. <laughs> Time in your defense, you're not wrong. I've been called many worse things. I'm, gonna, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to beat that one out. <laughs> <laughs> that was cursing too far. Um, yes. All right. Fair enough. Each to their own. Um, you're both wrong, but each to their own. Uh, speaking of acting then, interestingly, I didn't quite gel with uh, Danny Mays' acting in this one. And I, I love him. I think he's a great actor. He's in loads of stuff. Uh, Alex, that is the dad. Um, he's been loads of dramas that I've seen and I've really enjoyed. You know, I think uh, he's stronger in the second half. The first half in the flat, he's a bit all over the place. I just there's just like bizarre inconsistencies in the way that he reacts to everything throughout, and that's possibly writing on the character's part, and not necessarily on Danny Mays's part, I should say. Um, but I tell you what makes me laugh. I was watching it and I started started chuckling to myself. The bit when the doctor and him are being pulled back into the wardrobe. And from a production point, that must have looked stupid because if you look at Danny Mays, he's really over-egging the, uh, you know, whoa, I'm being sucked into an invisible thing. So <laughs> go back and watch the scene. It, it's proper cringe when you really look at his, uh, his fake I'm falling into a void acting. It's, it's a little bit cringe. So I didn't actually catch his facial expressions in that because I was too busy really enjoying the the couple of flicker moments when they shrink the size of the room. I really liked that shot. Oh, I didn't I they see did that. Fantastic. So right when so they shrink it. So if you go back and watch it, you'll see that actually they do that while they're being pulled back, as in the Doctor and uh, and Alex. Yeah, they're yeah. going closer and closer to the wardrobe. But then when it does the shot where the wardrobe is is opposite George, they've shrunk the room to make it feel really claustrophobic, and it does oh. a really good job. I'll have to go back and look at that. I didn't notice. That. I was completely distracted by the flailing arms and the it's the a goofy expression. Shot. I really enjoyed it. All oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, interesting. I mean, the character himself. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I see. I have the episodes playing in the background with the sound off when we do these things, and I've got to, I skipped to that bit, and I see what you're saying actually, and that's really yeah, cool. and it looks good, doesn't it? Because suddenly it goes from feet, you know, like they're being sucked, like the entire room is warping. 
I'll have to go back and watch that at some point then. At some point, it's almost like again. the wardrobe's it's the wardrobe's moving towards George. It's like it's it? consuming him. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely have to go back and watch that. Um, there aren't really any other major characters in this one, though. There's obviously like supplementary characters, and like you said earlier, cannon fodder. I can't remember which one you mentioned it. Cannon fodder in that really irritating Christ uh, red shirt old lady, which called Elsie. Oh, well, was, again, the old lady and the landlord are very two-dimensional. They are just cannon fodder. Oh, they literally are just cannon slightly, slightly yeah. but you needed it. Yeah, very much so. Um, and that's about it. The mum don't get a look in. Just out of curiosity, why did... <laughs> so, they've had a kid, um, and she was like heavily drinking and stuff. No, the they didn't. Before. That's the point. But nobody, no family or friends questioned it. It doesn't look as if they're kind of introverted people, judging by that family photo of all the socialising they were doing at Christmas. You know, but I'm assuming the whole memory altering thing has affected more than just uh, the parents in that scenario. Yeah, but that's take very it. much an assumption. You got no. You, you have to assume that you have to take the pinch of salt with it and be like, yeah. And rather than picking massive holes in it, but it seems like really. Yeah. Or the sudden paternity leave from work. Or that badger. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> good point. Yeah. No, indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's a very another one of these kind of close contained casts. This one, isn't it? It's not kind of on the grand scale of things. It's it's quite sort of self-contained so all right well we're on our characters to talk about so in terms of visuals then um we've mentioned a few of them so far already uh some turkeys well, i think because we talked about sort of the 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 horror atmosphere that they try to build up not the visuals then was sort of background imagery um mm. and again I, I touched briefly on the the room shrinking as well that i really, really enjoyed yeah. but hate this one so much i hate the landlord being sucked into the floor it was awful it was really so much it was really bad the problem is but they could have just done it so they they did lots of focus shots on it they made it so much worse i mean mickey smith being munched off by a wheelie bin was more impressive than um not munched off you know what i mean being uh consumed by, <laughs> by a wheelie that's an bin. image that it made. <laughs> yep. well they did say Noel clark got some dodgy stuff during this time um so yeah you're right it was very odd very very odd i think parts of my brain were taking um stuff i'd seen from flatline into this because i was i could have sworn that when he gets pulled into the wall or the floor or whatever it was he kind of like spreads out everywhere but i think that happens in flatline doesn't it yeah yeah okay fair enough so yeah i'm, mixing I'm just confused as to why and again, this might have just been a light episode to save on budget, possibly. But I'm confused as to why they went with that imagery for him being sucked into the floor. Yeah. And then they went with the old lady being attacked by bin bags. Oh, my God. That whole bin bag sequence. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, yeah, what, but what, just, what, you, you know what I mean? Bag? Like, Amy and Rory at least got, for lack of a better phrase, the elevator entrance. But the other guy's just literally got crap. Yeah, I don't know. God knows. Why didn't it, why didn't it take the dog either? Surely George is more afraid of the dog than he is of the landlord. You can't hurt a doggo on telly. What's wrong with you? <laughs> There'll be riots. No, but seriously, right? Why didn't they take the dog as well? What no, no be... I agree. I'm just saying there would be riots. People would be more upset about that than anything else. Uh, what would have been brilliant is if you just see the chain vanishing into the into the floor like a plug hole and it's just pulling the dog out. <laughs> 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 dog whimpering with that noise too that exact noise <laughs> yeah I think the realistic answer is they didn't want to make a wooden dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah possibly yeah wolf wolf I've got a note here just for that saying Purcell sinking in the floor felt a bit 2005 so yeah I was completely on the on the platform with that one anything that stood out to you Cook in this story for visuals uh what problems no anything you enjoyed or or Problems? Uh, what I really enjoyed actually was the stuff through going through space when it sort of did, like 
He's the, calling the, out. The message going to the Oh, yeah, the yeah. psychic message. Yeah, good show. Yeah, yeah the start. Yeah, that's, that's something that's I completely good. forgot happened. And it's like flashes yeah. up a little bit once. And then I'm like, I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and really then it actually goes yeah. through the whole thing like, oh. no I'm, I'm with you on that one i think one of the parts i loved it's been a lesser visual effect but it kind of is is the, the tardis materialization again i mentioned that last week with the um the i'm quite dead but this one i just love the camera angle and the way that you see basically the tardis materialized in the form of a reflection they did it again recently didn't they with um uh, revolution when 13 materialized the tardis in the sewers underneath, underneath sheffield and you just see the reflection of the tardis kind of in the ripples of the water as it materializes in i love that effect i think it's beautifully done but you, you you're right matt it was i think they must have gone budget light on this one and to Stephen moffat must have been like you know right we need to we need to cut a budget somewhere in this season because we've got a lot of money being spent on good man goes to war and you know star wars in that one and god knows what else in, in the other ones so let's ring around one they probably picked this one i'm like yeah this one can be the stick it on contemporary earth minimize the uh the amount of money spent on it type Type episode. It's a shame because I'm a set stick- where we don't even turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically that. Yeah, exactly. It's just a shame because they. I think it had a really good. It had a really good first half, and I just wish it had carried the atmosphere through more. Mm. Speaking of atmosphere, then let's just very quickly. We have spoken about it in, in a bit of detail anyway, but let's just quickly wrap up with the the soundtrack then. So, for me, it was just overbearing. Um, <sighs> I mean, it's iconic. Creepy tune, I didn't notice it, so sorry. It's iconic for the yeah. creepy tune because that's the first time that creepy tune's used, and then it's repeated again later when River Song's captured by the um, silence. But uh, go back and watch it at some point and listen because it's just so present and it's constant. Um, I think it's safe to say I won't be going back and watching this anytime. <laughs> it was it was nice to hear a little sting of the Big Bang, the score of the Big Bang when um, the old lady ended up crawling out the bin bags at the end, which was weird. I don't know why they decided to use that beautiful piece of music. It's like it's like a score but played backwards as she's crawling out of the bins. It's from the Big Bang when all the planets are all the star systems are going out. I don't know if you recall. Sorry, I didn't notice it. Oh Matt, honestly. I didn't notice any of the music in this episode, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's no. all just sort of That seems to be the theme. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. Alright then. So we're down to the rating for this one now. Uh, how many doll cook we'll go with you first of all how many dollhouses on a scale of one to ten um dollhouse that's a terrible metric that's... i'd give it about insert five metric wooden here. beef joints five wooden wooden beef wooden beef joints <laughs> <laughs> so you give it a five five wooden beef joints okay yeah. what about you matt yeah five wooden frying pans five wooden frying pans okay uh i think i would give it four um, I just completely forgettable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely forgettable. I mean, it it is forgettable, really. Quite confusing. <laughs> the monsters weren't particularly scary. Yeah, what can I say? Not much, apparently. Could have been some, have been some <laughs> It could have been some tyrants. It could have been some tyrants. I'd, I'd be interested to know how many people genuinely consider this their favourite story. There'll be I don't quite think a question. There will be people that do, but well, if you if you do, if anyone's listening and they do really enjoy this story, please let us know. You know drop us a comment, tell us how wrong we are. Where well, um, yeah, if we miss something? Yeah, because it's just it's one of those one of those turkeys in a way, isn't it? Okay, well that, that sort of brings us to the end of this week. We're going to continue obviously um, with these with these Mark Gator scenes because we're probably going to end up reviewing what uh, Sleep No More next. I should imagine, aren't we? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're going to look at next time. But thanks for tuning in, as always. Give us a like and subscribe on our Twitter and Facebook channels. Now, don't forget to join us next week. Um, we'll be bringing you new reviews and content. But for now, it's a goodbye from us.